This is Thoughts on the Table by DisgracesOnTheMenu.com. Hello and welcome back to Thoughts on the Table, the audio blog on food and food culture. Paolo here, your host again, after a very, very, very long break. Oh, what happened? Everything happened. You know that. Uh, obviously, there was a pandemic. There still is one. And uh, in the middle of it, well, we had to, to move homes yeah, and do renovations and everything came to a stop. So uh, it was painful, but uh, we're, we're happy that everything went well in the end. We are moved, we're healthy, and that's the most important thing. And it's now time to look forward again to the future and talk about things and not just talk about the virus all the time. So podcast. Podcast is back with two new guests today. Today with me, I have the pleasure to have Benedetta and Valeria Bianchini from Local Aromas. Thank you for having us. Ciao Paolo, thank you for having us. Fantastic foodie sisters. Um, yes, so you're <laughs> sisters, you're based in Rome, Italy, of course, and yes. you uh, contacted me because, you know, um, we need to meet each other because we're, we're doing the same thing. We're talking about Italian food in English and uh, we are trying to sort of reach a bit of the same audience with, with the type of things that we do. But uh, unlike me, Benedetta and Valeria are food professionals. They, they run food and wine experiences in Italy, in Rome, which have evolved from walking tours to cooking classes and wine tasting to now online classes. So I'll let you first, of course, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your business, which is super interesting. Yeah, well, um, first of all, again, thank you for having us. We are just so eager and we really get excited when we have the opportunity to talk about Italy's food and wine. My sister and I, we run our uh, family company, which is called Local Aromas, and we have specialized in food and wine experiences in Italy. So we have a very boring job to do, <laughs> Benny. Very, it's very, wine. very difficult. <laughs> it's a very difficult job because Benny is a wine sommelier. She is an olive oil sommelier. She is a professional cheese taster. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. And, and I'm a, a trained pastry chef. So We have been working in tourism and hospitality for many, many years. And about five years ago, we said, okay, we are ready to have our own company. And so we gradually and slowly, we started off by doing um, in-person experiences in Rome. Mm -hmm. So we do cooking classes, we give food tours and wine tastings. And as we grew, we slowly started to evolve because we noticed that, you know, What a shame it is to share all the knowledge and all, you know, all our food traditions and, and storytelling that we do just for the people who are in Rome. So we decided a year and a half ago to open a YouTube channel called Local Aromas, where we talk about Italian culture through food and wine. And so now we have over 100 videos. We even involved our mom, Mama <laughs> Giuliana. She has yeah, her own series. series. Yes, I she has her little series on our YouTube channel. And then we evolved again because um, we've always had this project at the very back of our head, that of our mind and of our hearts, which was to, um, to have an Italian online cooking school. Mm -hmm. And what better time than when you are forced to stay home? Yeah, <laughs> and, of course. <laughs> and really create... And then we created our Italian home cooking made simple online school. 
fantastic. Congratulations on your business. Uh, I have seen uh, what you have online. It, it's really, really well made. Um, this is um, trying to break down regional dishes that are, you know, um, never really written down. And uh, many versions exist, but yet they are something very precise and very specific. When you taste it, you know it's the right thing. And try to pass this on to people that maybe have only tasted the dish once, maybe not even that. Um, that's that's huge. And I compare that to what Pellegrino Artusi tried to do, and obviously <laughs> did, uh, when he, he tried to kind of collect all the collective knowledge to put it all into, into one book and try to come up with the, a version that sí. sort of everybody agrees with. Uh, exactly. Difficult. But thank you for doing that. This is really, really good, um, of course, and really hard. Because it's simple, and that's the beauty of it. It's a simplicity of things that may seem extremely complicated. And so people get intimidated at first with just the thought of creating even a pasta dish. Yeah, and, yeah. And so that too, I mean, this online course that we that we created, and here here we're going to say it, but nobody ever repeat this. We used our father as the lowest <laughs> common denominator because he <laughs> barely knows how to make an egg. And so we're like, okay, would Dad be able with what we're giving him, looking at the videos and reading the, you know, the to to do this? And we're like, yes, okay, so it's fine <laughs> for the rest of the world. And uh, yeah, poor Dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But you're right that even though Italian food is known for its simplicity, the moment you start cooking it, you realize that there's a lot of assumptions in Italian cookbooks. Um, the quantities are vague. Uh, that's very known that Italian recipes don't seem to have good numbers. And also some things you really have to, you know, taste it or see the texture and to be able to decide if it's okay to move on to the next step or not. And uh, so it's an art more than a science. It is. But you know what? Also, we I mean, the storytelling that we give doing our in-person experiences mm -hmm. and everything and all the content that we have put in our online courses reflects all the years of questions that people oh, have yeah. asked us. Questions that, you know, for locals, for local Italians are obvious. But mm -hmm. since we're talking about a different culture, they are not obvious for other countries. So, you know, they, the, the questions totally make sense. And so we really, that's what, you nice. know, what Benny was saying, because mm -hmm. it's not just about cooking. It's also nice to tell you where it comes from or why, mm -hmm. why do certain pastas or pasta shapes or gnocchi or wines, why are they more tied to the culture of Southern Italy mm. or, and, and things like that. So it's not just about the food. It's also, we try to, you know, to give it a sense of place. Context. Yes. Nice. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, do we want to jump into some examples? Uh, there are like the four Roman pastas. I don't know if oh. everybody knows what they are. Um, do you want to go through them? Just, just to give I, an idea on the type of things that are not uh, necessarily mainstream, but if you're a Roman, you, you know them very well, intimately. So You know them intimately. You have your favorite. There mm -hmm. are fights and discussion about how they are... <laughs> How, how they have to be made. Right. So one thing before going into this, this beautiful question that you asked about the four Roman pastas and something that we say to everybody, because mm -hmm. there is this misconception about Italian food, 
Okay, Italian food. We have people coming on tour with us and asking us, where can I go have the best pesto? Mm. You go to Genova because, you know, when you're in Rome, you don't have the best pesto. But in Rome, you have one of the four Roman pastas, which are cacio e pepe. Mm -hmm. So cacio e pepe is made, if we don't consider the pasta, with just two ingredients. So a picture, I'm, I'm going to try to use your imagination. I know this is, this is a podcast, so it's just my voice. But try, try to picture a big letter Y. Mm -hmm. Okay, a, a Y. So at the bottom of the Y, you have cacio e pepe, which is just pecorino romano cheese and pepper. Mm -hmm. I know there is no added cream, no cheese. It's magic done with the hot water and, and that. Then you add, you go a little step further just before the Y separates. Yeah. And you have gricia, which is my personal favorite of the four Roman pastas. Nobody knows. I mean, it's one of those not exported dishes. Yes. And that is cacio e pepe with the addition of guanciale. Mm -hmm. And guanciale is that succulent part of the pork, which is known as the cheek jowl. So it's the, the cheek and the neck of the pork. And when it, you cook it, it becomes translucent and, and it's, oh, it's heaven on earth. Then after this, it separates. You add the egg mm -hmm. and you have carbonara. You add the tomato sauce and you have amatriciana. Nice. So these are the four Roman pastas, very basic ingredients. You know, Roman cuisine is very poor. There is no addition of cream, sauces, and and things that just mm -hmm. would make a, an Italian, you <laughs> <Cringe>. know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and they're just delicious. They are just delicious. As simple as they are, however, they're tricky to make. But once you master the art of making mm -hmm. it, it, it's just, you know, two, three, four, maximum five ingredients. And, and that is the beauty and the difficult part of, you know, preparing Italian dishes because Italian cuisine is very poor. It uses very simple ingredients. So the procedure and the quality of the ingredients mm -hmm. make a huge difference in the final result. One thing about these four dishes it seems like, you know, is a play of uh, probably a total of four ingredients, four or five. Yeah. Um, but it's not every possible combination and certainly not all of them together. You know, there are precise rules within within that um, playbook, let's say. Mm -hmm. exactly. Which is very, very linked to the culture. We've had, there was uh, a few years ago, this was on national news that this very famous um, chef from Milan, mm -hmm. he was saying that you, you add onions in, uh, in yeah. one mm. of the Roman pastas. In the Amatriciana. Like, Amatriciana. Yeah. Like yeah. taboo. I mean, you're, it's just like a religion. I mean, people here are very, <laughs> very passionate about their local dishes. And it, the Romans were just like, they just... He, he, had, to public, he had to publicly apologize <laughs> because... Pasta matriciana is actually a registered recipe. It is registered. Like there are rules exactly how you have to make it, what tomatoes to use, the kind of guanciale. It's a registered recipe mm -hmm. in the town of Amatrice. Right. And so this just, they just went crazy and it was on national news and he had to publicly apologize. It was such a hard deal. And people were like, just because he said add onions. Yes. Amatriciana yeah. does not it's call for deal. onions. Don't mm -hmm. call it Amatriciana. Because we're talking about traditional cuisine. You know, at home you can do whatever you want, but this is the traditional way. If you mm -hmm. want to make it nice. the traditional way, then you have to have respect of the history of the dish and of the history of the traditions. It's all about respect. And what we do is 
we try to um, to share the traditions of Italian cuisine. Yes, exactly, exactly. I'm from Milan, so I cannot sympathize with, with that chef because, uh, you know, that's a mistake I could make, uh, frankly, because um, maybe uh, I've tasted the dish. You know, I'm trying to guess how to make it. And because we do use onion in any kind of tomato-based a sauce, really, in my family, more than garlic, I would probably use onions too, just for extra flavor, a small amount. But no, obviously, that would be a mistake. And that's the thing that I'm trying to say. Um, it's local. It's uh, the knowledge of the region. That's something that you're trying to capture. That's why you're, the name of your business, Local Aromas, it's, it's really all about uh, local knowledge, local flavor, local ingredients, and traditions really <laughs> there's so many and they're so beautiful and doing what we do mm-hmm. we have come to discover you know you go it, it, i remember once we were creating this private tour for these clients in florence mm-hmm. and uh, and our guide asked me uh do you think we should add lampredotto and personally i had never even heard of lampredotto at first i thought it was a dessert and so I'm like, I don't know. What is it? And she was horrified. She goes, you don't know what Lampredotto <laughs> yeah, is? Yeah. I'm like, no. So she explained it. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I love food, so I, I try anything. And so I said, I don't think so, but, you know, I'm going to have to come up and try it. And so we went to, to Florence and we tried it at 10 o'clock in the morning from the, from the beautiful food market. And <laughs> mm-hmm. it was delicious. But, you know, it's one of those, you know. Tricky foods, but, but, uh, but you know, Florence is only two hours away. Do you want to explain what it is, Benedetta? Because I, I too, was in Florence. I, I knew about it. I read it up. I didn't quite have it. So, well, honestly, I don't quite know. So, in, in Rome, we have tripa. Tripa is tripe. Mm-hmm. In Florence, and just in Florence, because it's a dish that belongs to Florence, it doesn't, they don't do it in other, in other cities of Tuscany. It's mm-hmm. the fifth stomach of the cow that is cooked in broth for many, 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 many hours. So it's this very, very tender, delicious meat that they, that they boil and then they, they cut in stripes and then they serve it or on a sandwich or on, a, on, on just a plain dish. Okay. And you can add on various sauces like they add um, salsa verde or just with a little bit of vinegar. And, uh, and it's delicious. It's light, it's delicious, and it's uh, very, very good. Okay, this explains why they didn't have it. <laughs> I'm a pescatarian, so and uh, <laughs> yes, I would have, yes. I would have had it um, when I was younger because uh, I used to even like tripe, which is not something that everybody likes. So I no. probably would have had it, but uh, I was quite adventurous at that time. Um, but one thing that we always um, tell our guests, you know, unless they have dietary restrictions, is to taste everything because sometimes. Mm. Um, we even, we're like, you first taste it and then we'll tell you what it is because sometimes you, we all have these things in our head, all mm-hmm. these like barriers and misconceptions. And um, it is, sometimes it just turns out that people fall in love or people that, well, like Benny is one of our um, most specialized guides. And so she's the only one who does this cheese and wine tasting. And so many people during the cheese and wine tasting they're like, oh, no, no, no. At the very end, there is like the, the, the climax of the tasting, which is <laughs> sweet wine with blue cheeses. Yes. Can you call them blue cheeses? And everybody's like, oh, no, I don't like blue cheese. I don't like blue. Oh, it has just a strong flavor. And so Benny 
invite them to at least taste and then you can have your you can express your opinion mm-hmm. and it turns out to be that is what they loved the most of the cheese and wine experience people like literally like lick like with the tip of their finger they like scrape the piece of cheese that's left on the dish <laughs> because it's so unexpected yes and it's a different kind of blue cheese because you know cheese in italy is is, is well we can start talking about cheese that i can finish tomorrow but you know i mean when we go it's made mm. with with raw with raw it's just it's just just different and it's a wonderful experience it's not you know supermarket blue cheese that you buy right. and so paired with a pasito with a sweet wine it's just magic it's interesting actually i um, i love blue cheese it's an acquired taste i know that it takes a while for somebody who's never had it to to develop a palate for it but there are ways to ease in into it which i think is what you guys do in your uh pairing um, so for instance you know to pair with a pasito it's very clever uh obviously a way to make it more approachable certo it's also a very difficult wine combination otherwise i know it's a tricky one isn't it well, you know, when you pair food with wine, or you go by similarity, or you go by contrast, mm-hmm, and so right. having a, a a strong, a very uh, pungent um, cheese with a pasito, which is which you know you have this these apricot and honey, and you have the alcohol because, however, it does have alcohol, and they blend together. Mm, and right. I personally, for me, it's one of the best food pairings ever. I mean, it's just a match made in heaven. Why do so many, you know, places serve cheese with honeys and jams? It's yes. the same thing. Mm-hmm. But you hear you drinking an incredible wine made in a very particular way that is just, uh, it's just mind-blowing. It's like an orchestra in your mouth. But let's go back to Rome for a moment. Supli is another Roman dish. Um, can you describe this dish? As a person from Milan, I can't quite say I wouldn't be able to. So souffle is souffle is one of those dishes that you cannot leave Rome without having tried at least one, the classic one. Let's talk about the classic souffle mm-hmm. because now there's all the various variations, you know, kashup. So souffle is, is something that was created long, long time ago because, again, people had to solve a problem. You know, you had leftover rice. There were no fridges. What do I do with leftover food? Mm-hmm. You fry it. There's a saying in Italian that says everything is delicious once it's fried, <laughs> even a shoe sole. And it's, and it's true. So they had leftover rice. They mushed it together with tomato sauce. They, you know, they toss it in bread. They hid inside a little piece of mozzarella cheese. And then they would deep fry it. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what souffle is. And the name actually comes from the word surprise from from the french okay, because yeah. when they opened it and they had the string of mozzarella which we called a supplie al telefono a lot of of you know maybe the older the older people know what i'm talking about because back in the days the phones had a cord <laughs> they're, not, they're not you know so that supplie al telefono because a string of mozzarella from one side of the other <laughs> and that's what a supplie is you obviously have to know where to where you know where to find the real ones and the good ones that are made at the moment, but it's it's a wonderful experience. So obviously that reminds me of Arancini, Sicilian. So what is the difference? Well, the difference is in the shape. It's in also the way it is prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, the arancino comes from the word arancia, orange. So they are round and big. And even throughout Sicily, that's the beautiful thing about um, Italian cuisine, that even within the same region, mm-hmm. they are made differently. And while souffle is smaller, is about half the size, 
and it is oval. And um, and it's just of Rome, you know. If you go outside of Rome, you will not find Supplie. And that's the fascinating thing about, <laughs> I just keep on repeating because it still fascinates me. You know, we've been living here for so many years and it's it's just fascinating how, how like Supplie is just when you come to Rome. That's it. Yeah. I mean, of course you can have pizza when you go to Venice. And of course you can have lasagna when you go to Puglia. But the, the important thing, if you really want to experience Italy in a, the most mm-hmm. genuine way, is to learn in advance what are the local dishes because you know really you would just have pizza in two italian regions which are the region where naples is and where rome is which make two very different kinds of pizzas yes though you can find a roman style pizza or neapolitan style pizza everywhere in italy because again they're they're so uh, famous that you know and of course neapolitan pizzaioli work in Milan and do fantastic work they actually work very well here in London too but you're right though if you really want to experience a dish go find the local dish of the region where you are then you'll find multiple variations of that dish you get the ingredients uh in the place where they are sourced and uh, and that's really what what makes it so special exactly that's the magic you know you put Puglia you have the ricchette and you go like um what's like for example when we were in Milan last year for mm-hmm. the first time I had la la, la milanese la cotoletta which, la cotoletta la milanese certo. which is not mm-hmm. I've never had I mean I tried to have it in Rome but it was just not I mean why yeah it's not the same and it was outstanding where we had it in in that yeah. place with the, yeah, my I sister remember. was so good it can be amazing mm-hmm. and, and that's the beauty of it all Yes, that's the richness we have. Um, let's talk for a moment about pizza, because you touched on Roman pizza. My uh, experience with Roman pizza is uh, twofold. There is the bakery pizza, and then there is the pizzeria pizza. So, so pizza, it, it, pizza is is a, a word that describes a thousand different kind of pizza. So we have yes. pizza la pala, mm-hmm. pizza la pala. We have pizza la teglia. So pizza la pala is a kind of pizza that is made. Imagine a cricket bat. So it's it's a pizza that is made from very 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 early in the morning. Um, it, the, the the dough is put directly inside the the oven, directly mm-hmm. in contact, and um, and it's oval and long, usually about to be up to two meters long. And mm. you know you go and you buy, you know, I want nice. this much, I want this much, a p- just in pieces, and usually in pieces. Mm. And that's the pizza alla pala. Pizza la teglia is more a lunch thing. It's a little bit thicker, and there you find more more refined ingredients on top. You know, you can find, uh, you know, mozzarella, di bufala, and mm-hmm. tomatoes, or you can find now, because it was in seasons, figs and prosciutto, I right. mean, which is delicious. Mm-hmm. Then you have pizza romana, which is paper thin. Mm-hmm. I mean, paper thin pizza, which is my personal. I mean, I love pizza romana. Paper thin pizza cooked in, cooked in, a, in a wood oven. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's buonissima. That's the kind that you have in a restaurant. Yes. yes. So the yes. pizza la pala, the pizza la teglia, the pizza la teglia is on the tray, it means. Mm-hmm. That is, it's like street food, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, you, either kids go in the one on the cricket bat, kids usually go in the morning and they, you know, that's their snack that they buy. They buy white pizza and they go and they have it for, at school. Um, while the Roman pizza is the round pizza that you would sit and have yes. at a pizzeria. Yes, in a restaurant. Nice. Yes, exactly. um, I love all kinds of pizza in Rome. I've, um, 
you know, it was a snack in the middle of the morning. And uh, of course, we would go to a pizza restaurant sometime in the evening. Um, in Naples, they've exported their, their version. They're, they're super famous worldwide. And their pizza tends to have a thicker crust. Uh, it's not paper thin, but it's quite thin in the middle. But it has this huge, exactly. sometimes, cornicione. Uh, the border or the frame is, is what makes it um, chewy. And it's uh, a different experience altogether. Nice. So, yes, again, we can talk about Italian food, obviously, uh, <laughs> forever. <laughs> forever. We are out of time for this episode. It was an immense pleasure talking with you. And thank you so much for shaking me out of my <laughs> hibernation. <laughs> um, I'm so happy to be back and uh, I look forward to speaking with you more. I know we can, we can talk about more things in the future, so I'll get in touch. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. It was really, it was really fun talking about this this aspect of Italian cuisine. It was very fun. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Have a good evening. Oh, now I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> ciao. Bye now. Ciao, ciao. A presto. Ciao, ciao.